Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi everybody, welcome along to All Met, the Irish Examiner Basketball Podcast. I'm Connor Meany and as always I'm joined by my co-host Karen Shannon. Karen, you're very welcome. It's good to be here, Connor. It's actually my birthday today. Um, oh, so good man. Um, there's social basketball later on, that's how I'll be celebrating um, my, my birthday. Um, no, all's good. Um, excited by who, the, the programme we have. We, we'll be joined later by Donald O'Connor, uh, the organizer of the exceptional Castle Island Blitz, I, I was I went down under Tony Lane, who's from the, those parts. As much as I thought I knew basketball, I was oblivious to the phenomenon that is the Castle Island Blitz. Went down there in December the twenty, December the thirtieth, I think, uh, nineteen ninety six, and I had my mind blown by just the how. The fervor down there for the sport, you know, where you have under eights uh, along with Super League, and it's that was that was twenty six years ago, and it's still going strong. Thankfully, now it's back because we, we obviously had the the two year break with uh, COVID, so it's going to be great to have Donal on the program later, and then joining us first now is John Feehan, the Irish Basketball Ireland CEO, and obviously now is thirteen months in the job. And it's, it's uh, my colleague, Brendan O'Brien, would have interviewed him when he got the job. And now it's it's timely, just a, a year in, how John's getting in the job. So we're looking forward to talking to John as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great combination. Uh, kind of, a, uh, I guess, the, the helicopter view from John and then seeing what it's actually like on the ground from Donald's. Uh, the, I think one of the great things from myself, I've never been down to the Castle Island Blitz, but it's... Uh, I guess with social media now over the last couple of years, you're starting to see pictures of what this thing people have talked about for so many years. It's kind of one of those famous things that has existed. Uh, it's, I, I think of when I was growing up, I would have heard of that. I would have obviously heard a lot of the Demons Neptune kind of derby games, and you never would have seen any of them being up in Dublin. But now over recent years, you're starting to see a lot more of it. And it's, it kind of it helps give context to a lot of the basketball that happens in other parts of the country. Just oh yeah, and so you never got down there, no? Because I, I remember when I went down. Obviously, Bright Saunders would would be well known with for the connection with Notre Dame, Danny Notre Dame, and in those years, like and and I think they would credit a lot of their cup success, where they won four consecutive cups in the late nineties, early nineties, to the team bonding of going down to her homeland. Uh, those three or four days staying in the, the River Island Hotel, playing those games. And um, so you had teams from all around the country. It's it's not too late. They still have social basketball or for whatever <laughs> age, Connor. So they might, I, I think we've talked our way into Donald giving you an invite for next year, okay? Because it's, it's 
you've experienced nearly everything, but the Blitz is something definitely worth experiencing. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, without any further ado, we'll uh, bring in the Basketball Ireland CEO, uh, John Fian, my very short-term boss last year. Uh, John, you're, you're very welcome uh, to the show. Thank you both very much. It's a pleasure to be here. The first thing that strikes me is um, I thought I had the most impressive library here, but that's quite a that's quite a lot of books you have there. What 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 material there do you? Is that all work related, or is that any light reading there, or what are you in the shelves there? I, I'm operating from home today, and uh, uh, some of that's what they call light fiction. Some of it's uh, uh, rom com stuff. Uh, I have a I have two adult daughters and a, and a wife who uh, keep that going. Uh, there are a number of shelves there with sports books in them as well, which uh, I've built up over the years. So yeah, it's a kind of mix and bag, really. What it's, ones? It's, what's good ones there? What's what's two or three from the shelves there you'd yeah, recommend? I've got one or two from various lines in the past and that kind of thing. And uh, um, you know, I, it, generally uh, any kind of political intrigue as well. Also, some of the biographies, that kind of thing as well. So it's it's it's. It's a mixed bag, as I it's, said. It helps you in the job, does it? <laughs> I don't know if it helps in the job at all, but it certainly relaxes and it helps me to calm down a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Very so good. good. And John, you touched you touched upon uh, obviously the lines there. So I, I don't know how much the basketball community know about you, other than uh, obviously a very impressive kind of uh, CV, having worked with the Lions and uh, the Six Nations. So. How about you just give people a quick kind of overview of your journey within sport that kind of led you to eventually being in basketball? Well, my, my background is uh, I, I played a lot of rugby uh, over the years. Uh, indeed, I played for Leinster at one stage. Um, that's going back a lot of years ago. Uh, but um, I've been involved in sport through both, uh, obviously, uh, at a personal level, but more particularly at a business level for many years. Uh, I've worked in a number of different companies, marketing and, and, and other sponsorship areas myself. So... I've been involved in sponsorship of everything from horse racing to uh, motorsport to cycling. Uh, and indeed, many, many moons ago, uh, uh, sponsored Calestra with uh, LucasAid Sport. Uh, so that's going back quite some time ago. Um, then uh, after that, uh, through a series of different jobs, I ended up as the CEO of uh, the Six Nations and the British and Irish Lions for 16 years. Uh, and then within that, then for a five-year period, I was also CEO of the, what's the Pro 12 is now the uh, URC. Uh, so after that, I did a little bit of uh, sports business consultancy uh, and I, I was involved with soccer and one or two other bits and pieces. So I, I think I have a reasonably uh, full CV as far as uh, sport is concerned, having been as both a sponsor and uh, in NGBs or in sports bodies looking for sponsorship. and. and and indeed media and all the other aspects of the sport. So, and John, yeah. just, just uh, that is a formidable CV. Just let's say, and let's say the over the Six Nations. What, what were like that was a that was a considerable span of time. I mean, was it would have just been when it went from five to six nations or, or around that time? I what, came in just uh, just after that. Uh, it went to Six Nations in two thousand. I joined in two thousand and two, and I left in two thousand and eighteen. Um, so. So what were the what were the achievements, or what way did you see the tournament? Um, obviously, it had a great tradition history, but it, it, where did you see it even grow further over that time? Well, um, there's a whole range of different things. Obviously, that coincides in many respects with, if you like, the advancements of the of the digital age. 
So there's a whole area of bringing in new media um, and all the social media platforms and all that kind of area. They were there, but in a minor way previously, and a lot of that was huge development there. In addition, then you would have had things like, I actually brought in the, the, the branding they use now. All of that was brought in by myself. Um, but also in addition, then things like we went from about 70 odd countries where it was broadcast around the world to almost pretty well every country in the world at this stage, 200 plus. Um, I brought, you know, did things like, uh, I was the one who got the women, uh, eventually uh, the women's six nations onto uh, primetime television and made sure that that was uh, given a, a strong focus as well. I mean, there's a whole range of different things. You do an awful lot in 16 years, I can tell you, uh, as well as if you like organizing, structuring, uh, probably the biggest achievement I got in that time was, and it, it's something that the public will never see, but it is bringing in the constitution that the Six Nations works under. So up to that, it was one constituted committee. What that means basically is that it had no legal standing, uh, and, and that was all sorted out. So there's a whole heap of different things, if you like, uh, but uh, I've only mentioned a couple really there. You, uh, you you mentioned there 16 years is a long time to get, get a lot of things done, but we're at 13 months in basketball. So uh, I guess first thing will be, now that you're there just over a year, how has your perception changed of basketball or has it changed? Is it kind of what you expected when you came in or uh, now that you've been around it a little bit more on a day-to-day -day basis, is it kind of different in different ways or how have you seen it? Well, I, I think probably the thing that comes across very strongly is, you know, the great people involved in the sport, and both the volunteers and the staff, they're, they're all they're really good people and, 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 and there's a lot of um, enthusiasm to make things better um, and that's that's really heartwarming from my perspective. It's great to get involved with people who who really want to make things better and from that, my perspective that's a, a really uh, important thing. Um, so I suppose Connor you asked me is it different? Um, I mean obviously there's elements that I, I wasn't aware of uh, that you find out as you go um, but to be honest, I would say most of what I would have expected is what actually transpired. I mean, most sports operate in a very similar way. So how you motivate a team, how teams bond and come together, discipline, coaching, refereeing, table officials is a new one for me, I have to admit. Uh, but, um, but what do you make of that dynamic? How is it different to other sports? Well, like most most sports have referees uh, and, and, and officials. They don't have a separate set of officials to look after the officials, if you know what I mean. So uh, to that extent, it's slightly it's only slightly different. I mean, ultimately, to be honest, most sports, I would say, in sport, I would say 90 to 95% of sport is the same. And it's only what actually happens on the picture of the court that actually is different. So everything from how you organize a digital program how you motivate people, how you bring people together, how you get the governance correct, how you communicate what you're doing about the sport, how you market the sport, how you go about the funding and commercial models, um, how you end up with the coaching structures, how you end up with the, uh, uh, the profiles you need to give it, the basic strategies. They're all pretty well very similar in any sport. So the thing really is to make sure that we get it right for basketball. And uh, I guess when, when we talk about a U.S. president or whatever, it's usually the first 90 days plan and everything else. And when you came in, you probably had a very set vision of what needed to be done uh, in that first kind of year, even uh, with Impossible Ireland. Um, 
what would you look back in the first kind of year and just be like with a satisfaction of kind of yeah look we're we're on the right track that we're moving in the right right direction from things that have been implemented yeah i mean i think for me um it's empowerment of staff uh, and empowerment of, of the people who are involved in the various committees and that kind of thing um uh, really at the end of the day basketball is a big big sport in ireland and i don't think enough people realize it and it's up to us together to make that different uh, and i think we can uh, i think there's no question but that we can um, uh, from the, my point of view what have we done over the last while well We've everything from sort of introducing the Swish app for MBN and the data, uh, which is fantastic. You know, we've 85,000 user sessions on that at this stage. It's um, it's digitalizing the whole data. And for instance, in the past, it would have been difficult to get a good roundup of scores even on a Monday morning. Now it actually happens. You can see it live and happening in your hand. And that's what, you know, modern uh, generation Z and, 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 and all of the other people involved in basketball expect uh, we need to be top line we need to be leading edge and I think we're getting there it'll take us a while longer I'm sure but we've also introduced the uh, OTT platform there'll be over 500 games shown on that this year and that got not just the national league but we're going to do the school's finals uh, and we'll do a number of other other um, uh, games through the year as well and you know that's an area where I think you know we're giving ourselves great exposure and the opportunity for people to see the game. Um, we've also um, looked. We've looked at a database. Uh, a database may sound very boring to a lot of people, but actually, it's a great way to communicate with with with, with uh, your constituency, with all the people who are out there, not just the committed fans, but also the, the people who are on the periphery and who who may have a, a peripheral interest in basketball, who you can draw into it and develop relationships with. And that's the kind of thing we're doing at the moment. Um, I'm also looking at the governance. We're looking at the number of committees we've got. How can we restructure it in a way that will actually make it more efficient for everybody to get, get results and get things done? So there's a whole heap of different things happening at the moment, all concurrently. And you, you said at the start there, I had a vision um, in the first 90 days. My first 90 days is really about learning, absorbing, understanding, getting to feel for what basketball is all about, who are the individuals, uh, where, where do we need to make the changes, um, you know, change, change is one of those things. It's an, an, an inevitability. Change will always happen. It's how you react to that change is the most important thing. And I, I think in the past, perhaps basketball has has probably, you know, done well and sort of said, we've done well, let's leave it at that. Let's not change too much in the future. I think we need to change that. And as a, as a sport, we need to kind of move on and be actually quite enthusiastic about, about change and, and, and what it can bring for us. So what, what are certain changes that you're possibly thinking of that would be particularly significant while, while, while you, you just mentioned, yeah, yeah. There's a whole heap of things. I mean, I did mention a number of things there, like the committees and so on, but there's also like, we have to look at our infrastructure. Um, we'll have to t look at uh, the national arena, which was a fantastic arena and not too many NGBs have their own uh, national arena and their own premises and we do, and it's fantastic. Uh, and the atmosphere in there, in there second to none. And we've done some great things like we have now two new big digital uh, uh, scoreboards, stroke, stroke uh, um, televisions in the actual arena, which adds to the atmosphere. Uh, we've also got, we've just installed a, an AI uh, artificial intelligence camera, which is producing really top quality uh, streaming 
from from the arena uh, and there's a bunch of other initiatives going on but ultimately we need to do quite a significant uh, overhaul of the national arena i want it to be absolute top line um, state of the art so th there's obviously a big job to be done there that probably job to be done over a number of years yeah it's 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 thir it's 30 years this uh it'll be january will be the 30th anniversary of the arena opening and, and so that that is a, as you said the wear and tear and like are we talking first of all are you are we talking about any different how, how are we looking at are we looking at just are we looking at greater capacity are we looking at how else are we looking at maybe the arena being? I mean, in the arena, I mean, this is all subject to obviously uh, detailed plans and, you know, things will change a little bit uh, as, you, as you go along in this process. But certainly extra capacity, uh, top class hospitality facilities. You're talking about changing rooms, um, uh, much, much better changing rooms. You're talking about moving it from two, you know, uh, obviously it's one it's one court when you have the whole seating out, but when the seating goes back, we have two. I'd like a situation where we have up to four courts there. Uh, you know, there's a whole heap of different things I want to do there. We want uh, uh, possibly a gym in there, maybe a cafe. Um, we There's a load of different things that could be brought in there. Uh, who would be using it, John? Who do you see using it more? When you say four courts or a gym, cafe, who do you see using it? I see uh, primarily, obviously, basketball, uh, but I don't see just basketball. I think things like volleyball, etc., uh, etc., et could be also used. So it can be used multi at a multi-layered level, uh, and I'd like it to be used 24-7, 365. I, I really do, because we have to get the throughput through the uh, arena to make sure that we absolutely can um, deliver on some of the revenue targets we're looking for in the future and that kind of thing. So. Uh, it, be, it should become a source of revenue for, for, for the actual sport, but more particularly give us huge profile for the sport as well as we go forward. Uh, but When you're talking about hospitality, what, what, what events do you see being there that will be more attractive for, for that? Well, even, our, even our own basketball games, I mean, for instance, our international games and that kind of thing, we need to have uh, top-class sponsorship. But it's also a venue that could be used for corporate use as well, in the way that sort of the Aviva is or Croke Park is used at corporate level. Uh, there's a lot of uh, funds to be uh, generated in that kind of uh, environment. And it also will obviously help the profile. Uh, so we'll have better media facilities, we'll have better uh, licensing facilities within the actual uh, structure and so on and so forth. So there's a whole heap of different things. Now, you know, it's it's in its infancy in terms of developing something like that, but it's certainly within within my uh, target. I'd like to see something like that. Are, are you are you targeting the government for extra funding for some of the revamp that you'd want? Well, cl clearly, no sport can actually develop significant infrastructure without assistance from the government. So obviously, we will be uh, asking for them. But you know, we have a lot of work to do before we even go near government to look for funds. This this is not something you can just pull out of a hat. And, and, and there it is. It's going to be a significant uh, addition to the plan. But, you know, and, and the plans will probably be adapted and changed slightly as we go forward. But there, there are a lot, a lot of things to be um, put in place for that to happen. But you, you're right. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, we would hope that the government would be in a position to assist us in that process. Very good. And um, John, just going back to some of the other successes and developments that we talked about. So the streaming in, in particular is. A major change that's happened within the national leagues it's uh something that we've gone from 
a very small minority of games kind of streamed on Facebook by individual clubs to now having every every game streamed. Do you one of the criticisms of us from the wider public is that we're probably shrinking our audience and that the diehards who always watched are the ones who are now getting even more I'm watching more games than I've ever watched before and I'm delighted with it but that the person who may not know the sport as well is seeing less of it because it's it's behind a paywall what do you, what's your own kind of thoughts on that and is is there a model do you think over the coming years where there may be more free to air games within that model to kind of try and entice people in as, as a way to, to try and grow that audience there are a whole heap of um, you know thoughts around these things, but I mean I I don't believe the kind of levels we're charging for say a, a whole season. You know when you get five hundred odd games, I think the more important thing, Connor, really more than anything else, is to ensure that the quality of the production and and how it's it can be seen. I there's no doubt at all that it is actually rather than reducing the audience, I think it's increased the audience. I mean there are thirty seven different countries that are actually looking at it at the moment. Uh, around the world and not just around the world but more particularly within Ireland you know there's uh, over 160,000 sessions have been done on the actual uh, OTT platform um, and that's that's even a figure that's slightly out of date at this stage so from my, my point of view there's no doubt at all that we're getting far better uh, uh, exposure and I can tell you something all of our sponsors are much, much happier to see it where it is because they're they're getting uh, concentrated um, um, attention to themselves and, and uh, a, a really good positive vibe is coming. From it. And then, can you see? I suppose it, it doesn't have to be an either or, too, John. And like as you said, the, the streaming services there every weekend, people can watch their national league games. Then we had a situation where obviously we had the. Let's say the international teams have been live on television. We'll have the cup finals um, being televised uh, in the weekend of January 20, 22nd. But will will are you looking to get even further games? Like we had Kieran Donaghy on the first pod here, and he said, "Look, the, the elephant in the room is getting more national exposure." That's how the crossover often happened when the sport boomed in the mid eighties, yeah. get, get, getting the live uh, national cups. At a time, it was very premium for even the J to get on national television uh, live. So tell me, what, what is your strategy there? What are your ambitions there in terms of getting maybe more live to air? We, we definitely um, would like to see more live to air on, on, on a national broadcaster. I mean, I have to say TG Gahar have been very good partners uh, and we're continuing to develop the relationship with them. Uh, so, for instance, this year we've seen the first time we were able to televise in TG Car, an international from outside of Ireland. Um, that that hadn't happened before, and we'll be doing more of that as we go forward. But you're right. I mean, these are discussions we're having with TG Car about the nature of how we can develop our our relationship with them over the next little while, and we would hope in time, in the not too distant future, to have a situation where we have. So certainly, certainly more league games, perhaps, and uh, other games. I mean, I'm not going to get too specific about it now, but basically, uh, we we definitely would like to see more um, uh, basketball on on live. John, you you came into rugby um, in those various jobs when it went under revolutionary change. You 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 played yourself for Leinster. It wasn't on a contract. It was pre '95, and and within that ten years. The sport, had, yeah, the, the sport had completely changed. Um, 
do you see have, like and you you come with a commercial acumen we've had it national leagues here for 40 plus years um on a home and away basis semi-pro with the american stroke maybe bosman's getting paid um and well, we pretty much had that model uh the club model for the last 40 plus years um do you see that being the way it'll continue over the next 10 years or, I, I, or do I, you I, see I, it being potentially changed and, and, and revolutionized the way that rugby went from the AIL nearly to the province model at the elite level and and there's a there's there's a debate within the sport in itself but in terms of profile and commercial it brought the sport to a completely different place do will you do you see any change in basketball on that as, as the model we have for the national leagues going forward i think um in terms of how basketball presents itself in profile and everything else it's really important that we focus on two key streams there are, there are three key streams in basketball you're talking about national league clubs you're talking about international and you're talking about schools um and and from my point of view in terms of profile people can't follow 100 teams they can you know you've got to bring it down to a number that can people can actually follow and get familiar with people people will follow people they'll follow teams and people so we've got to highlight very strongly the national league um particularly super league but also division one um and and build the rivalries build the team profiles build the profiles around players we've also got to do the same thing with the international side because ultimately um i mean if you really look at some sports in ireland who get some fairly major profile within within ireland it's always their international side that actually leads the posse so we've got to basically make sure that our international sides are given that that level of prominence but also i don't see that all by itself it's got to be in, in association with the national league sides as well so it's a it's a joint pronged approach um i think for instance um you know uh, basketball was very big in the 80s and 90s it has every bit the same potential to do the same thing now uh, but we've got to actually make sure that we give people something that they want to watch and i'm not i'm not talking about the dedicated basketball fan i'm talking about all the other people yeah, like, like, like it is true um the, the international programs for you take any sport look at the irish women's team and, and soccer now um you mentioned like how you got women into the six nations and the irish breakthrough you know around 2013 14 but would would you um with the international teams at the moment like we had no international teams famously for seven or eight years we're now back in the eurobasket qualifiers which is a huge step and, and you're, you're optimizing or you're you're trying to optimize it and you made strides in that but let's just say a dilemma that basketball has is it's the if in ireland is it is it is one of the two biggest international sports in the world you come from a a global sport in rugby but it, it's not global the way basketball or football is and it's therefore harder for an ireland to to meddle does does sport ireland will sport ireland under your uh reign your tenure recognize basketball as a high performance sport and get necessary because at the moment basketball does not get into abbotstown when, when plenty of other smaller sports are because they're considered to be more likely to medal at european level can you see can you is that something that you are campaigning for and can you see you having success over that during your tenure the simple answer is yes okay uh, but 
and obviously it's the process. Um, we, as you said, we were out of bas international basketball for a number of years, and that didn't help our cause. Um, you're right. You know, we're involved in the second biggest sport in the world uh, after soccer. So, you know, we have a profile, an international profile that, uh, as a sport, which is almost second to none. Um, in terms of certainly in terms of the number of countries it's played in, its prominence, its 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 importance. Um, but from my point of view, I think you know we, it's a process for us to develop with Sport Ireland. Sport Ireland, you know, ha are tasked with making sure that they get the best return they can for every uh, euro is spent by the government through Sport Ireland. And part of that, and only part of that, is if you like the whole area of uh, achievement at elite level. Um, other aspects would be just people, you know, participation, uh, inclusivity, lots of other areas as well. Now, I am absolutely certain that basketball can and probably will in the next short while, hopefully, uh, be a participant in that last part. Because I think in almost every other respect, we tick the boxes hugely. We take it for diversity, we tick it for inclusion. We take it for spread uh, across the country. We spread. We take it for dem uh, the de um, uh, spread of the types of people who play it at, at whatever level in in Ireland. Um, so at pretty well every level, we're taking the box. The only level that we probably haven't ticked in the last number of years is this elite level. Now we have a real opportunity, certainly through things like um, the three by three. Uh, um, uh, game now the three by three game levels the pitch in many ways with lots of those big international companies uh, countries because essentially you don't need as many world class type players because simply there are less people on the court so ultimately it's one of the sports that I think that we could actually push basketball or one of the areas we could push basketball in with Sport Ireland to develop um, an elite program but you're asking me I think. Basketball Ireland's own view of elite, uh, it will always be about winning some medals. But I think it's also about improving your standing through uh, the international standing. So if you start at, I don't know, say, say you start at 70 and you end up at 50 over a five-year period, you've done a hell of a job. Yeah, and, 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 and that is beginning to happen. You can see the two national teams are beginning to go from the small countries in this but just uh, just to finish on it like i mean and we're talking about sport ireland and the, the standard of irish sport throughout since the inception of the institute um has has raised um, and a key a key dynamic in that is most governing bodies all of them who were funded have essentially a performance director that was recommended in the last strategic review you you there's the sport is under currently undergoing one which you, you're obviously uh, monitoring chat but is that something that you can see is that is that a priority for you at all that we have a, I, I i interviewed your predecessor about this a couple of years ago and he said we can't seem there seems to be that the sport doesn't have a a consensus candidate there wouldn't be someone with the necessary recognition um within the country and 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 because uh the previous incumbent in that role um had, was was international and maybe there was mixed success on that front that's a long time ago now can you see a performance director being appointed um again under your tenure and, and pretty soon under your tenure or is it not a priority at the moment 
I wouldn't say it's not a priority, but it's not um, like it, it's one of many things we have to look at. Um, the exact nature of how the elite performance element of basketball is 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 put together uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you, you you have that specific role. It may be split over two roles or something like that. So I'm I'm reviewing at the moment how that that's going to be uh, delivered. In the long term, though, if we if we do, uh, you know, if we really want to be at the top end of elite sport, we're going to have to definitely look at that, uh, some sort of role like that. Um, as to exactly how the timing that that can come in, I'm not entirely sure. There are a lot of priorities in basketball uh, that are more immediate, if you like, and need a. We can handle. Um, we have individuals within the sport. Uh, within basketball now that actually can uh, do largely perform elements of that role but it's just a case of um, moving on from there and perhaps uh, identifying that uh, for a kind of longer longer term thing in simple terms probably not in the very short term but yes definitely in the long term john in terms of the the international funnel so the, the bottom part of that international funnel with our, our youth teams obviously one of the big talking points for a long, long time has been the pay-to-play model for for younger people having to play and pay to be on national teams. We haven't, obviously, we don't have funding for the youth national teams yet, and there has we haven't, as a community, figured out a way to support those yet. Is that something that is a priority, or how do you see that kind of overall model of the youth national teams and how they feed into that overall the senior national team? Yeah, I mean, let's be let's be uh, straight with everybody. You know, we don't have the funding at the moment to turn around and fund all the youth international sides. We do make serious contributions to them, both uh, financial and uh, in terms of the actual staffing and support structures behind them. Um, so uh, to say, you know, we're not really supporting them would not be fair. Having said that, uh, you know, it is... Uh, there is a financial burden on some parents. Uh, we are very conscious of that. And frankly, we will address that as time goes on, but that can only be really addressed once the funds start coming back, back into the sport. And that is also obviously one of the key things I, I'm tasked with, if you like, over the next number of years, is to significantly improve our funding models. And when that happens, I'm sure we'll be able to address many of those issues. But so how do you do that, John? How, how, how do you do that? Well, we've kind of looked at the commercial model and we've uh, we've reshaped it to a large extent. There were elements of the commercial model that were just missing uh, in the past, um, and and that's not a fault of anybody. Basketball went through a number of issues that happened in the past, uh, and and they are in the past now. So, from my perspective, it's like a clean book. I can go out there and, and rewrite the commercial program, and that's what we've we've done, and we're in the process of changing that. So we would see uh, additional funding models. Uh, the model that we're going to put in place, I think, should you know, deliver some significant additional revenues over the next couple of years. Now, it it's, not, it's not a tap. You can't just turn it on. It doesn't work like that. But I think as a sport, we are a very, very attractive sport for many, many commercial. How, uh, how is that, John? I mean, like, like basketball was one of the first sports, like historically, Obviously, the J would have didn't embrace sponsorship, etc., commercialism till the early nineties. Uh, basketball was nearly out on its own um, when it started in the early eighties, and it was 
it, 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 it was a front runner. It was a trailblazer. Obviously, everybody else caught up and a lot of the major sports got their act together and you would have been part of that with rugby, obviously. And you just said it, like, because there, there was a sense there and, you know, there's that famous line in, 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 the, in the basketball documentary 10 years ago, Jackie Solon said, uh, sponsors are saying, ah, no, basketball is gone. You're saying now that, no, there's, there's an interest in basketball and it's an attractive sport to the corporate Ireland. How how is it? What is the what is its USP? What is what what's your selling point to to the corporate sector? It's it's never stopped being a really fast, dynamic, exciting sport. That's the first thing. Okay, you can't you can't get away from that one. The second thing is it's reliable. It's indoors in a in an environment where we we live in a pretty wet, windy, cold, dark country. Um, so it's that's good. But like if you look at demographics, we hit pretty well every demographic going. We have an almost 50-50 gender balance in the sport, which is pretty well most sports can't say anything like that. Uh, you know, we are very good on inclusiveness and diversity. Uh, we have a great spread of the game throughout the country. And we have the numbers. I mean, we have nearly, we have about 41,000 post-primary school uh, registered players uh, in the schools. We have 31, 32,000 um, registered players in clubs. We have a, a, a big number of primary school kids are playing it. And that all those numbers don't even mention the number of people who play it informally. So it's like soccer. It's so easy to just take a ball and play with the ball, uh, whereas most sports don't have that. So we tick loads of boxes as far as uh, you know the commercial or funding elements are concerned. And there's a lot of goodwill out there for us. Uh, and it's only when you start scratching the surface you realise there's loads of people who played basketball in the past, who you know have a grow for it, but really, uh, you know, have lost touch a little bit with it. And I think there's loads of people we can reconnect with. And I think, I think there's a great commercial story there. Um, we really, and uh, add to that then all the digital stuff we're doing at the moment. Our social media channels are fantastic, um, and there's a load of stuff happening. So from that point of view. Uh, I, I think it's a very, very attractive um, uh, proposition for any. You, you mentioned the participation numbers at the sport, John, and you mentioned both the schools and the clubs. Um, I'm, I'm at the cold face off it. It's taken over my life again the last few years, being back coaching and, and administrating the sport. And I suppose, and, and this would have been something raised by several of your predecessors, I suppose. Um, Historically, the way sport in Ireland has rolled, there was a, almost a laissez-faire approach to uh, uh, infrastructure and as well as the J and then rugby, soccer. A lot of those clubs, particularly obviously in the J, own their own facilities, right? Um, in basketball, it's kind of the generation rent sport, uh, indoor sport in general, but basketball is obviously the biggest indoor sport. Um, and it can be crippling for clubs a to get access to a hall and b then the 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 higher of it. Whereas the continental model, there's more um, clubs don't have to fork out like that. It, the, the, it's 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 more um, municipal, and it's it's nearly a social service provided by by, by government. Um, can you see that model changing? There, there's the government has changed. Uh, they've changed seats. There's there's a lot of talk about a shake-up in the governmental policy over the coming years. Is, is is that something that you can see that will ease the burden for basketball clubs? Um, that, that that constant 
pressure off the hall hire, which all other the major sports being predominantly outdoor don't have to deal with as much? Yeah, the, the simple answer is it's probably not going to change anytime soon. You know, let's be brutally honest, and I don't think there's any point in trying to pretend otherwise. That being said, uh, government are investing a lot of money in a lot of gyms around the, around the country, and the, the proviso when those that money is invested in those gyms is that they're available to, to various sports. So I think there's definitely something that we can we can um, hitch our our wagon to there. Uh, the other thing too is we do need to go around and find out, you know, if there are issues about getting higher hiring halls and that kind of thing. What are the issues? What, what's what's the blocks? Why 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 are people saying no when they could say yes? Um, and I think there's a certainly a body of work to be done there, in terms of uh, maybe there's some scheme we can put together that would assist. Uh, potential clubs or new or even existing clubs um, to assist them to get either more time in existing gyms or actually open up a couple of new gyms because certainly in terms of um, you know the growth of the sport and again getting back to what commercial people would love to see you know I, I pretty well any club I've talked to anyway and maybe it's the same for yourself I don't know but pretty well any club I've talked to has said to me you know we have 30 or 40 kids on a waiting list we just can't we just don't have the gym time for them and that's tragic you know we really shouldn't be in that situation but it does show the potential for growth for the sport so in simple terms i think there's a lot we can do we can also talk to other sporting bodies about you know particularly the ga there might be some sort of accommodation we can come to with them about access to some of their facilities but there's a whole range of different things we can do to try and ameliorate where we are on that but if you're asking me are we going to end up in a situation where we own a load of gyms i don't think that's going to be the case anytime soon now, the, the other thing too i would add i would add is that when you own um, infrastructure whether you're a ga club rugby club or a soccer club and you actually own your your premise you know, it's not like the hit heart and the, all, all the hassles go away you still have to insure the place you still have to maintain it you still have to purchase it uh, in many instances, like there's a lot of investment in there. And so there's a lot of cost involved for any club, no matter what format or structure you, you end up using. So yeah. it's not as simple as, as, you know, there's no simple answer to this. Yeah, no, it, it, it's certainly an interesting one. Look, I, I'm conscious of time, John, and uh, look, we're hugely grateful of uh, the time that you've given here. I think it's, I, I think it's really valuable that I'm not sure a huge amount of basketball community, as I said at the beginning, know a huge amount of your vision of of where you've been moving towards things and also your background. So I think it's been really valuable for you to come on and have this chat. In terms of the immediate next 12 months, it's what is the kind of key thing that you'd love to be able to deliver and how would people be able to, from the outside, kind of look in and see that success is happening within Basketball Ireland and we're making the progress that you want us to be making? Well, certainly we're going to continue with the development of our digital platforms. Um, and that's not just the OTT, but the whole range of other ones. Uh, we're going to really um, drive our commercial program, which I think will in turn drive for funding for, for, for the sport. We're going to obviously develop more um, the potential for our new arena, our, our, our redeveloped arena. We're going to look at the whole area of uh, what we've just mentioned there about how do we try and assist clubs to get more time in gyms? 
uh, we're going to be looking at how, how we're going to develop, you know, we've just restructured the refereeing, uh, the NRC now, um, and the, um, uh, is now uh, no longer as such. So we now have uh, the National Basketball Referees Association. We've reduced the number of area associations for referees down from 13 to 6. Uh, we are getting a much more proactive, um, um, uh, uh, sorry, much more proactive work has been done in relation to trying to ensure we have more referees and better quality referees. Um, and there's a load of work going on in that. Uh, we're looking at the governance areas around the numbers of committees we have, trying to empower, rather than having loads of committees, have a, a smaller number of committees who really have some power to get things done and with our assistance and with Basketball Ireland's assistance, because we need to empower these people to to, to, to get things done at a local and at an national level. John, just um, before you go, um, I just touched on at the outset of the show about how, for all I was steeped in basketball, a wow moment for me was going down to Castle Island for the first time. Just for someone who has been involved in sport but didn't come from basketball and now has been 13 months and you've been around the what are, what are moments that, God, this is a whole other world and it's great, or what, what have been moments that, yeah, I'm in the right place and basketball moments for you over the last year that stand out? I, I, I really enjoy I really enjoy getting out and watching the basketball around the country. Like I, I was up in Belfast Star last year, and I, 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 not like this year actually. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was it was it's just to see it, and then you know going down to the semi-finals in Cork, what a what a, a, an occasion that is, for instance, you know, um, or, or or the finals here in Dublin. I love seeing the schools finals. My God, the kind of enthusiasm and the. You come from uh, a sport that schools finals are massive, but basketball is nearly the nearest thing to it, isn't it? Like, I, I, think it's, I, I think in some ways it's better. I mean, it, the enthusiasm and the the nice thing in, in in rugby, it's very elitist in terms. Of, I don't mean the schools or anything. I just mean it's only the top teams actually get to do the final, but. No matter what level you're at in basketball, whether it's A, B, C, or D level in school, like we have 16 different finals. It's fantastic, you know. And the girls get every bit as much prominence as the boys. And it's it's that's what I'm sort of saying. There's real enthusiasm there, and there's real potential there, which is something like basketball is like rugby was um, 30 years ago. Uh, in that it has the same level of potential, in my view, to de develop, develop into something really special. Um, not that it isn't special already, uh, but we need everybody else to realise how special it is, if you like. So I, I think that's our job, in a, in a way, over the next little while. And um, I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about this. I think the staff are fantastic. They really know their, their you know, they know what they're doing. Uh, I think the volunteers around the country have been fantastic. Um, every time I've got out there, I was down at the Masters in Galway, for instance. That was, you know, to 500 players playing in a in a in a, in a competition over the weekend. It was just phenomenal, um, and and the social element uh, then to to I think is really important. So I, I you, you know, started playing I, a bit yourself, John, have you? I with a dodgy knee. I've had my knee replaced in the last couple of years. I I, I, I other than that, anyway, I'd be far too slow, uh, but. I, I, but I'm very impressed with, you know, the athletes as well. You know, my impression before I, I joined was that everybody has to be seven foot tall to play basketball, but that's not the case. I mean, some of the best players are the shortest players because they're just so fast and they, they have 
a dynamism that you don't see in, in lots of women. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a fantastic sport. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about it. For me, uh, you know, you asked me, I think one of the first questions was, you know, why, why, why basketball and why, why am I enthused by it? Because of the potential. It has just got so much potential. And it's just a case of we need to prioritize the right things. We need to have a really solid plan. I'm in the process of hopefully within the next month or two signing off on a, a new five-year strategic plan. Um, and you, we put that in place, we will get some serious that, 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 will, that will be out in February, just a bit after the Cups, will it, Jan? Probably of... February. I, I, in theory, February. It might be, might be another month out. Okay. But it'll be, it's, it's, certain, it's certainly you know, imminent um, because we have to... After you know what's happened to basketball after the last number of years, after COVID, after everything else, the last ten-year plan, lots of good stuff in it, but actually ten years in lots of ways is too long. I I think five years. We need to get some, and I I want some solid things we can actually deliver on. And I'm pretty sure that when the strategic plan is is published, you know, um, people will be quite happy with. Um, if, if we achieve what we say we're going to do in the, in the strategic plan, basketball will be in a much better place in five years' time. And that's that's really what I want. And that for me, that's that's what really drives me every day to make sure that, you know, we do the best for the sport over the next five years. And I get such enthusiasm by seeing how people, you know, um, uh, see it developing and see, see that it can actually get somewhere. Um, and that... Perhaps uh, in the in the past there's been a little bit of hopelessness, but I, that's not the way I see it at all. I see it as something that's very dynamic, has huge potential, and you know will will make will become very prominent in Ireland over the next couple of years. Brilliant, John. Well, uh, we all look forward to seeing that strategic plan. But in the immediate term, Merry Christmas to you and the staff of Basketball Ireland and. I'm sure Thank we look forward much. to an exciting 2023 and I'm sure we'll see you down in Cork at the Cup semi-final weekend. Oh, absolutely. And uh, look forward to your commentary, I'm sure, uh, Connor, at some stage along the line. Thank you both very Thank much. You, I appreciate Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Take Thanks, care, guys. Bye, Bye John. Okay. Yeah, Karen, yeah, some really interesting stuff there. Uh, clearly, like John's perspective from so many years in so many different areas is gives them a, a view of the sport that's probably a little bit different than who we've had uh, in the past and some of the things there are, are, are exciting to hear it's uh i think that strategic plan in february march is some concrete kind of kpis and seeing where where the sport could be aiming for in the next five years would be very i'd say people will be very interested to see what's in there yeah i mean he, he seems both pragmatic yet ambitious. Um, he's not doing a complete overhaul. Um, I suppose what I found encouraging is he's he seems to have identified there's the international, there's the leagues, there's and then there's the grassroots, and he's looking to make gains in them all. Um, it's what I was particularly too that he's he sounded like he's getting the bug, you know, for the sport, and um, because he. I suppose it's just that from passion, we talk a lot about passion in the sport because there, it's like any sport or it's, it's got a great history, it's got great passion, it's got great people. Um, I suppose we want to just go from potential to delivery and um, 
he look he has a track record you have to say that um and you know let's hope that it, that it that it translates um and, and as you said that strategic report he touched on a few things there that will be in it and um you know but like and look we might have him back on after that because um but no there was definitely a, a lot there and it was great to have him on the program um donald o'connor will be joining us now um just to set the scene for donald donald mr blitz himself the duke <laughs> Donald, have you got the mic off? Uh, Donald, um, it's a long time since I we, we uh, since I've seen you, um, but it's great to see you here, albeit um, through glass. Donald, have you got your um, Donald? Very welcome to the pod, first of all. Thanks very much, Kian. Hi, Connor. It's um, it's brilliant to see you, Duke. Um, I was explaining to Connor before. Hey, you'll have to get Marion down there. It might be it's no longer the Super League team, uh, Connor. It might be the Masters team soon enough, will it? Uh, rather an intermediate <laughs> team. But um, I, I was just explaining, like for someone like myself and coming from Cork, and I suppose I grew up. We were talking about the Christmas period. I, I, I found them, uh, we would have been Cork at, at the height of the boom. There would have been a lot of basketball played. The, the, the Cork County Board would have held an international tournament um, from about 82 to 86. You'd spend, you know, your Stevens Day or the 27th, 28th of December going up seeing Jasper McElroy in the hall, going up against Murray Metals and um, Manchester United, Stroke Giants, and these kind of teams. So I was familiar with the concept of basketball at Christmas time. But then I went to Castle Island. Uh, Tony Lean was my sports editor in the examiner. I just started with Tony and he sent me down to an assignment uh, down to his neck of the woods and Castle Island had just gone into the National Leagues. Um, Liam Brosnan, the, the, the team there, the under-19 team and it just blew my mind. The The hall was just frenzied. It was it was the stereotypical Oblate Hall, Prokill Hall, hanging from the rafters. And you had under eight games alongside Super League. I mentioned the Denny Notre Dame were at their zenith, you know, Jenkins, Darren McGuinness, those boys going up against, you know, the Morris Casey's from Tralee, the Vinnie Murphy's or Castle Island. And Duke, you, you, you've seen it evolve. Um, you, you were, you're there from the start. Tell me how it started because you're there from the start. How did it come about? It was a time coming into Christmas, Kieran, when, you know, Christmas is a, a time when people have a lot of time on their hands. And we had a, a, a big population of young kids growing up in Castle Island. And we had a basketball going in St. Pat's Secondary School and the girls' secondary school had a team and you know there was fierce enthusiasm around the place so we decided we'd uh, try to run a tournament for, during christmas and we said stephen's day would be the time to have a go and the day after so we decided we, we had two competitions or th four competitions sorry we had a senior girls senior men it wasn't men really to be under 19s roughly and you had junior boys under 14 and the same with girls we had uh, i think it was uh, 
six, we had 24 teams and uh, we went to the Astor Ballroom, which was the only indoor place at the time. And we got it started out there and uh, we played the preliminaries there on St. Stephen's Day and a the problem then, we had to clear the hall because there was a dance that night. So we had to get things cleared out, take down the baskets and all that. And the following day then we'd have the semi-finals. And again, that created a problem with the floor because people that were going out dancing wanted to have it nice and skeety like. So we had to try to <laughs> stop that. So we got, I don't think the owner liked what we did, but anyway, we kind of watered it down, as we'd say, and uh, we got going from there, and we were there for five years, and there was a new community centre built in Castle Island and in 1976, and we moved there, and it gave us more room, more time, and we could and, use... Donald, it, 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 it blossomed from, let's say, a local thing, as you said, starting out, but then it became all a Kerry. Like, I mean, I, I would have been Kieran Donahue's ghostwriter, and he talked about yes. the nerves and the excitement, and he was he was sick, and, and but yet nothing was going to stop him playing in the Blitz, right? This is in Tralee in the early 90s, or the mid-90s. And you tell me, what, um, how did it expand from yeah, something local, and it still is local, but to throw Kerry? Um, and, and, and just even to describe to an outsider, who all is playing at the Blitz? Which is, Kieran, you're right, it started out local and very local. You know, we had national schools, we had uh, local teams under 12, 14 and 16. And then as time went on, we felt we were progressing in the county leagues and career. So we were able to get in teams from around the county and uh, they were very willing to play and we were delighted they did. And uh, we had, you know, we had a, an audience there as well because it was new in the town. You always had Gan, rugby and all that kind of stuff. But like John was saying there, it was an indoor uh, uh, you play it indoor and it's at the time of the year. But I think the time of the year, Kieran, captured the audience because like people were off and uh, it gave them a chance to do something. So when they do something, are you talking about going to it, playing in it? Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is an out for them to go to it. And then, of course, they had children. Playing. There were some players, there were grandfathers that were playing. As you know, you played yourself. I remember you bringing a team. I remember over. going down to, to play for Tony's team. I caught I cost them, I cost them the division three. Like I was brought on. I had two turnovers yes. in two minutes. I was whipped off again. It's a blitz. It's a blitz. It's running clap Donald, isn't it? Uh, how tell yes. it, how, how does it even work? Because it, it, it's a blitz in every sense of the term. Boom. Oh, it is it's in the old like, it's pure court as regards playing like. But I remember you coming down here and again. This was another time that uh, Tony had said to me, Kieran Shannon, there he plays with, he's involved with Neptune, he plays on the range. It was involved so, with Blue Demons at the time, does it make a difference? Oh, Blue Demons, <laughs> sorry. 
And he, he said he wants to put in a team. So we said, grand, like we got the team in anyway. And uh, the next thing we find, you had one or two fellas that <laughs> I think they were too good well, for. That was the brother, actually. He still slags me <laughs> off. He still <laughs> slags me off for, for being Kobe Bryant, taking certain, forcing certain bricks. But yes. that's the whole point. You can go, uh, people of all ages, because, so like, again, you will, Again, you have people who, um, you mentioned you have grandfathers playing. You'll have, and look, I'd say, I'd say I'm not exaggerating to say that some guys will go straight from the bar to the court and vice versa, correct? Through the years. Yes, yes, yeah. yes that's, that's quite true. <laughs> we, would, we would threaten the other one stage, we'd have the pressure lights <laughs> going like, you know. So, so like it goes to, even now in this day and age, what, like, tell us, it starts now. It starts on Stephen's Day, correct? Yeah, it'll start in the community centre by day thirty, and we'll play twenty-three games overall. We'll play one hundred and eleven games in the community centre, and in the small hall we'll play sixty-four. That's where all the national schools are played, and they'll come up for their finals then. To the and and Doug, just on the like just on that because it's the. The concept of it all, like I've seen it and it's hugely impressive. It's so alien to the way that, particularly in Dublin, that basketball is done is that uh, like if you try to convince a national school teacher or anyone else to have their team on Stephen's Day ready to play in basketball, they would look at you as if you like <laughs> you have multiple heads, basically. It's just not a thing. And even within the clubs, you, you sometimes struggle with the kids for a few days that... They're, they're around family. They're not around basketball at all. Then they kind of come into you back around New Year's where they want to do a camp before they go back to school. How did you get to that point where people saw this as, yeah, this this makes sense to us, or this, this is the right thing to be doing? Again, uh, Connor, it was local, and people bought into the idea, and uh, they could see it was good from we got the teachers in the schools were enthusiastic, they were very interested in the club as well. And uh, all the teachers, and then they get coaches from St. Mary's coaching them. And uh, it, 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 you know, it built, it built on that. And then, like Kieran says there, you went then into Division three, four, five men. <laughs> this is really a mix between GAA, rugby, and whatever you like yourself. But uh, like Kieran has sampled this, then you go from there, like for the girls, like you'd have seen a women, you'd have top tag, and then you had the uh, National League, the Super League teams. Tony rang me one time and he said, Look, I can get Neptune. Now, Neptune was like getting Manchester United to come here. There were, and Again, Kieran said it there about Terry Strickland. You had Tom O'Sullivan, Three Point Tom. Do you know you had all these guys who come and told Tom to play in? You had Blue Demons, Neptunes, you had Delta Notre Dame. You had all the top players. And again, they came in onto the court, walked in. And there you had young guys, national school. These fellas like... They'd only be dreaming about seeing this and full of dunking the ball. All that kind of thing. I know in Cork, which was the home of that, and Dublin, but we always saw it because even though we have fierce rivalry with Cork in football, 
we always see it was a place that was the, the best of all. And then, like, again, go down to Neptune, time of the cup or Levians. We used to drive up, some of us, to see Levians, Blue Demon, Neptune, and all that in Cork. And uh, the enthusiasm up there was fantastic. And I think we had generated something like that here. But again, tisn't all like you were saying there about there's some people that won't put in teams because they want to have their time off for Christmas. But then there's the others that will do it and are only mad to do it. And again, I always say to people, Kieran sees himself. Tony knows about it. It's like Santa. Seeing is believing. You must see it to see what goes on there. It is an experience, Kieran, you'll agree with this, that the whole the whole setup like and the way it goes. And what makes it so special, I think as well, to the running clock, ten minutes aside, games are allocated. 20 minutes playing time, and which is tight to do more game, maybe. Get them off. Minute time, out, time out and that type of thing. But you're trying to get your games, you know, but the whole thing runs quite well. And we're lucky we have such a, a good setup with the people we have involved in the club, and we have great sponsors as well. Like, because you know, it, is a, it is a hotbed too. I mean, St. Mary's Castle Island, you know, has had. You know, extensively national league teams in both both genders um, over the last 30, 30, yeah. 25, 30 years. Um, like it, it's just on that dynamic. Like on getting teams down. Um, how much? Like I, I know it helped, as I said, historically that Notre Dame team. But it's at a stage where um, of this season, maybe that teams won't come down. Or did you? Did you? Have, was it a hard sell? Or what? Did, what was the upside for teams when they did come down? Well, I think, uh, Kieran, that they were off. They were, had a free weekend and that, or, you know, that, and again, people like Tony, just getting it across to them, like, this would be good. But I think mostly it's, if they're free, they will come. Because we have quite a good prize fund, you know, for the winners, runners-up, and any all the teams that, all those Super Leagues that take part. Yes, they are looked after and they get drawn to the front. It, uh, it, it certainly, from the outside looking in, Tralee have been involved in for the last couple of years. And uh, uh, so, Super League teams tend to have a choice of whether they play the day before New Year's or not, or else they can try and push the, that game back. And some clubs like ours always try and push it back because. When you have guys who've come up to Dublin for college and different things, they tend to go back down the country and we don't have everyone around, so we try and push it out a little bit. But for people like Tralee, when they're playing on the 30th, the fact that they can play in, uh, in the Blitz and then have a... It's better than any training session after Christmas that you're going to get. It's a proper competitive environment with crowd and everything else. It always kind of gives them that little bit of momentum into that game and then into the Cup semi-final weekend, so... You definitely, I think Thunder Donald used to go down for a couple of years there as well when they were kind of at the height of what they were doing. So, for teams that had a lot of pros who stayed uh, at Christmas time, it gave them something really solid to, to be part of. Yes, that's quite true. But again, like, just the, 
the freedom of fixtures that seems to be a problem for us no we couldn't have garbage this year because our warriors day of fixed to play blue demons in Cork on the top days and they can they would there's no doubt Garvey's are a, a, a mighty draw to us. We have Kilauglin who are very competitive and uh, it's great having two local teams like, you know. But the thing is that Kieran Donnie is such a big draw around our area and all, a lot of our uh, members here will go to support Tralee in the National League and you see it is quite convenient from Castle Island it's only 10 miles on a good road like and they get in and see the games there like and but I think overall it is the local community the people have a, a great affinity with it and like again there's no doubt there's children playing this year that their father is, uh, there's fathers playing, there's mothers playing, and there's grandfathers playing. Now, <laughs> tis, tis, you'd say, how can that happen? But it, it, it does, like, and you see any, again, I'll repeat myself, seeing is believing. You're going to have to get happens. down there, that's what he said. You're going to we, have to actually, say what happened. We, I, I'm trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure... It must have been five. It was around the around the year we won the league. Uh, we were certainly invited down, and uh, it was we were we were looking at us and uh, whether or not we could do it. And it's this exact problem that we have is that we knew that for the couple of days that we we would go down with half a team, and we we're kind of like, it's not fair to anyone to kind of do that sort of thing. And if you're going to do it, do it right. And is why we, we ended up not doing it but I'd certainly love to go down and see us and, and be part of it, it, it especially the the idea that you can have a few points and play this is great <laughs> <laughs> I remember doing that myself <laughs> like, I remember when Neptune were coming on Ballinard the same like Lee McHale and those guys the social side of it as well and what the coaches were dreading always like was playing in it, they get to the final and there's a, a fierce night out in, in the hotel and <laughs> they might not be in good shape <laughs> to play the <laughs> in, in a week's time or 10 days time, you know, but they have got that sharpness in the blitz. Yeah. You know, uh, those games, they're guaranteed to, you know, in the final, like, you know, it, 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 it keeps them it keeps them ticking over as well. Absolutely, yeah. and especially because with 20 minutes running clock, you're not going to get blowouts. You don't get that. So you get a couple of close games no matter what. And there's no a close yes. game in front of yes. a crowd is the best tune-up you could possibly get. So it's it's unique in that sense. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, Donald, the, the very best with it. It's brilliant to see and that you're still doing it. And... Uh, you know, like we have had as a, I suppose, historically as a sport, you know, a great tournament culture. It's not maybe as pervasive as it used to be, but Castle Island is, is, uh, is as strong as there is in the country and all the more unique for the time of year that you do it and the range you have. It's the great equaliser where you can go from the Super League American to that 10-year-old to that 
grandfather playing in the Division 5 final. It's, it's, it's all basketball. And they're beside each other and they both get as much energy from each other. Even the Americans are charmed by seeing the kids or even the 50-something playing. Um, <laughs> so, listen, Donald, all more power to you, what you're doing down there. I'm sure it'll be another great blitz. All the more because of, you know, the way the last couple have been lost, you know, with, with COVID. I mean, yeah. I mean, tell me, what was it like not having basketball in, in, in the last couple of Christmases? Uh, it was... It was very strange, Kieran. You know that we'd be getting into mode around August. You know, getting laying up IDs, setting up, and but oh, that was very strange. Like, and we left it as late as we can we could last year because we thought we might get away with it. And the COVID was rampant again in our area here, so we decided we had to call it for safety, sake, You know. And uh, it was a big mess. There's not the people at home, but this year you can see there's an enthusiasm again by people. Like, now we're a small bit ropey to come and and the officers, because we're, you know, ear on ear, like you have to run completely, but you have to start pulling out things now again to look at what this, that, you know, like just. Is it, just, is it, you know, is, is it John Murphy still doing his? I remember before he became one of the most famous Kerry supporters, there is dressed outrageously. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of different hats, which I think is one of the appeals too. And of Kerry sports, it, yeah, like the, the, the connection between basketball and football. And you know, I'd say you've seen a lot of the Kerry boys through the years play at the Blitz, have you? Have you seen former Kerry yeah, players play? Yeah, Who's yeah. all played? Well, one of the biggest uh, rogues was Charlie. Charlie, Charlie Nelligan. Charlie Nelligan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can imagine him under the board now. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't great at basketball, like, but he'd clear out everything under the board. Like, and not alone that he could push one of his own players into some play that would be coming in. You know, <laughs> he had, oh, he was, he was, we had, um, what's his name? Uh, now, again, Kieran, you have put me in a spot there. Uh, you had Barry John, of course, played with it. Tommy Welsh. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, actually, like the, there is a, a lot of them, the Sherwoods, uh, Jack Sherwood, and they were playing. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just, yeah, just to go back, would you yeah. have, um, but it starts at what time? I remember Gerald talking about being up at some outrageous hour in Stevens Day. Like, tell me, what, when is it starting? When does it kick off or tip off? With 26 stars, but you'll have the people in the halls there. They'll be there an hour and a half. They could be there at half six. Gerald used to be down there at six o'clock. You know, he he was he was very he was very keen on having everything organised and looking after it. And you know, but that's the thing there. We have people that are made for action. But it's starting on the 26th day at thirty, and. In St. John's, it starts at 10 o'clock. And it will go through to board. the... Will this, the National League final be on the 30th? Is that still the way? The 30th, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the build-up to that. That's the final, the big night. And then before that, you'd have the final of the senior national school boys. So you'd have a big, you know, and the place would be rocking. Like you said yourself in your book, Nice, I see you and Kalani hanging from the rafters. Like that's 
the way it, it would be on those nights, yeah. like, you yeah. know. Well, look, Donald, brilliant. Uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Uh, it's and the blitz um we wish you all the best with it no doubt it'll be as, as successful as any of them and thanks very much for joining have, have a happy christmas before <laughs> before you, you're you're going to be full on donald and um thank you for joining us on the pod okay thanks Kim. thanks connor and happy christmas to you and all the best for the new year yeah. Yeah, it's um, again, kind of said it there. Like, what what even struck you there by hearing what, what what's maybe unique about it? It's uh, I think it's just the community element of it is just a brilliant part of it. It's the fact that it's everything mashed into one, and uh, it's so alien to, uh, particularly in Dublin, we're just so disparate that we have lots of people playing in lots of different levels, but it's no way connected in that. We don't have a central. Like Dublin doesn't have a central hub of basketball. It's uh, the way like, that Cork would have the Procol Hall, right? Yeah, and exactly. I don't know even that was that. That's what I was touching on when we were talking about John about what could be going across the four courts because like, we grew up. All right, let's say I came from Douglas, we'd have home games on a Saturday night, but the hall, the whole community would be there. You'd be even, and you got to know everyone within the sport essentially. Um, in Dublin, it tends to be more silos, is it? Um, yeah, you you wouldn't see. You don't even see a lot within clubs. Like you, uh, some clubs have like we we play across three different places. Cluster, I'd say probably have five or six different gyms. So even within your own club, you wouldn't even you'd go the whole season without seeing people from your own club. And uh, and then it's very rare that you'd like you can get it a little bit up in the arena where like. Uh, you might have a game, two games going on either court, and you're waiting and you're, you're seeing stuff. But very rarely do you actually like one of the beauties of something like Castle Island is I've no doubt that while you're waiting, you might be playing in an hour's time, but you're sitting on the sideline as games are happening and you're chatting away to people you don't see all the time. But that absolutely doesn't exist within uh, Dublin basketball. We we don't have that this sort of community. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, it's, it it is unique. It's not just in Dublin, and 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 it's. I suppose, like again, going back, we've had a tournament culture in the sport. It's it's a, the cup has been brilliant for the sport, um, but I suppose the the more prominent it got, we got less tournaments. And as you said a few weeks ago about how the the better transport or the better motorways has made you know staying over less, and it, it's off a different era possibly. But I I think there's just um, it's something that the sport should look to a little bit more at, at all levels, that kind of invitational tournament and inviting people from all over. And Castle Island is a unique hub and um, they have where they bring teams from the outside all around the county. And then they have it, you know, so many teams from the local area itself. Um, no, it's, it's unique and um, it's to be celebrated and marked and um, more power to them. Um, I suppose that's that's our last pod for for 2022. Am I right in saying, Connor? You're not. I'm, I'm not even I'm fully not, sure. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we 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 we'll be looking forward to the cup. Um, yeah. In in a fortnight's time, uh, there we uh we'll be delving into that. John mentioned how it's one of the great basketball weekends. It's it's sort of a bit like that where the community comes together. Yeah. On a national basis. But till then, everybody, uh, we wish you all a happy Christmas and we'll see you in the new year.
See you later. Thanks a lot. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.